Welcome to Dietitian Boss. My name is Libby Rothschild. I'm the CEO and founder of the Dietitian Boss Method. Our company is here to help you get started in private practice even before you think you're ready. I've created a proprietary process to help you increase visibility, create organic content, enroll clients into an offer, and learn sales skills that don't even feel salesy. Listen every week to your colleagues as they're being interviewed and we chat about their progress and success from when they got it started from zero to all the way to creating million-dollar businesses and beyond. Hello and welcome. I'm here today with Shannon Schwartzinger. Did I pronounce that correctly? It's very close. Very good. <laughs> All right. Can you remind me how to pronounce it so I can make sure I say it correctly? Schwarzinger. Schwarzinger. All right. Shannon Schwarzinger. All right. For some reason, that last name is a little bit of a tongue twister, but it's memorable. And I love that. <laughs> Thank you for joining today, Shannon. Really excited to have you. Would you be able to introduce a little bit about your handle and state like where you're from and who you help? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Honestly, it's an honor to be on here. So my handle for Instagram is Sova underscore RDN. So yeah, it's kind of the reason why I did it. It's actually in Polish. So I originally grew up in Poland and Sova actually means owl. And so like Beautiful. it's basically a white owl, which kind of means like new creation and something like a new start. So I really liked that for my business idea and kind of the modal behind it. That's beautiful. I didn't know that you were from Poland. That's a really cool fun fact. So 100% Polish? So no, both my parents are American. I actually was born in Chicago and then I moved to Poland when I was four. So I then came back to the States when I was 18. Oh, wow. I didn't know you were. Wow. So you've got probably got some amazing stories from that. What a fun fact. And you're in Montana. Is that right, Shannon? That is correct. Okay, cool. All right. Well, thank you for joining. Really excited to hear more about your story, your progress, your background, and then your journey in private practice. I know it's going to be inspiring for the listeners. Will you share a little bit about your background as far as your setup with your business? What do you offer and what types of people do you like to help when it comes to private practice? So I kind of started initially pretty broad and then more niching down now and getting kind of more of a target market. But initially, I kind of started with a passion for cancer patients. I was a caregiver for a year for cancer patients stage four and really saw the benefits of nutrition there. But I've kind of moved into being kind of more of a dietitian specifically for bodybuilders. So my passion kind of grew with bodybuilding. And so that kind of spans a lot of different areas from gut health to fueling the athlete for their sport. There is a common theme and kind of almost a judgment behind a dietitian working as a bodybuilder, but then also working with bodybuilders because it is seen as it's very unhealthy because of the level of conditioning you get to for stage. But I do believe that there are healthier ways to do it. And even my goal is to, after their competitions, make sure they're fueling well and actually recovering before they jump into another competition. I knew about eight years ago that I wanted to compete. I just didn't think it would ever happen. I ended up getting into a four-wheeling accident when I was like 21 and came back in a wheelchair. And I used to be very active before that. I played soccer. I used to be an avid runner, would run about eight miles a day. And then for about two years, I was pretty debilitated. And then shortly after that, I got back surgery and the surgery didn't go quite as planned. So I ended up getting, waking up with numbing down my left leg. So there was quite a long recovery process. And then I got Lyme disease shortly after that. So, and I dealt with that for about five years. So it took a long time to get to stage and kind of build. So I had to spend about three years just building my body, getting 
getting healthier and getting to a place where I could compete. And so my first competition was last year. I decided to do a big one. I went to Vegas and it was right in the height of COVID. Actually, it was a year and a half ago now, almost two years. And so my show got canceled three times before I even got there. And then twice when I was there. And so it was kind of a whirlwind and ended up competing in several different categories, but in the end ended up winning the whole competition. So that's amazing. uh Thank you for sharing that story. I knew you, I know we've talked about you competing. I had no idea about all of those setbacks and congratulations for winning, right? That must've felt so good after all of those hardships, right? To get to that point. Honestly, I kind of was in shock afterwards. It all happened very fast. And then because it actually was ended up, it was supposed to be at a host hotel. And then they ended up last minute changing it to a hookah lounge, which was like really like the whole experience was hilarious. I was like, this is totally not going to happen today. And then the cops, as soon as I got up on stage to accept the overall award, the cops came in and broke it up. I'm like, everybody out. And so then people were like, so how do you feel? And I was like, I don't even know what just happened. But no, it was definitely a surreal experience. And really, I think was a place where I finally started believing that I could do more. And like, I, the goal was always there, but I didn't think I'd ever be able to compete, let alone win a whole show. So I absolutely pull from that story and draw some parallels to starting and growing your business because there's a lot of parallels with having setbacks and being able to progress forward despite those are some serious life events, right? You were in a wheelchair for two. I didn't know you were in a wheelchair for two years. So not in a wheelchair for two years. I came back in a wheelchair. So it was a family vacation that we went to Alaska. I just realized I'm not supposed to go on family vacations because when I got Lyme disease was when I went to go visit my parents in Poland. Yeah, But I ended up being pretty debilitated and I couldn't work out or anything like that for over two years. Yeah. That must've been been really damaging. What motivated you? I'm really inspired by your story and thank you for sharing that. I know the listeners are going to really enjoy that 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 vulnerability is really, it takes a lot of courage. So thank you for sharing that. Very relatable. What motivated you with the bodybuilding? You know, when you had the accident and you had Lyme disease, what was it that made you say, I want to do bodybuilding competition versus other things? Did you always have an affinity for that? Or why did you land upon that specifically? So no, I definitely didn't always have an affinity for it. I actually, like I said, it was like eight years before where Mm -hmm. I had two friends that were competing and I went to their show and I was wow, I would never be able to do that. That is just takes so much conditioning and like just so much going against your natural instincts. And for me, I always had a fear of the stage. I used to, I had a vocal coach in Germany and I always failed recitals because I'd get so nervous going on stage and being in front of people. And so there was one year after all that stuff had happened, I kind of made a year where I said, you know what, this is going to be the year where I am going to say yes to going out if people ask me to go out no matter what time it is. And I'm going to overcome certain fears. So I had a fear of heights, still do, had fear of the stage. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And it was not like the fear went away. By far, no. My stage presence, actually, the commenters, because it was televised, they said that I was the most natural poser on stage. And that sounds weird, but it's actually because I practiced so, so much because I was so nervous. When I first started posing, I'm 5'8", very tall don't wear heels and they're five inch heels that you have to wear on a rickety stage. And my coach told me that I looked like a Clydesdale. Wow. 
And so obviously I did not start refined or in a good place at all, but I just practiced like every single day for about 20 weeks. Um, And that's what helped me build. I didn't really have the confidence on stage, but it was that muscle memory and just saying, you know what, you kind of black out when you go up on stage, you don't know what's happening, but you've practiced, you know, that you've done what you can and you just kind of go from there. That's just beautiful story. And what motivated you though, to really be consistent for those 20 weeks and work past your fears is a lot of personal growth to be able to do that. What made you, was it because of the accident and you were just determined? So a lot of times I ask people like, what is your why for competing? Because when it does get hard, you want to give up. You are so hungry. You're so tired. You don't want to do the cardio. You don't want to work out. You just want to eat. And my why was really to overcome. And because I had never believed that I could do a lot. My brother used to tease me when I was younger and my mom used to do the motivational like choo-choo train. You know, you can, you think you can. That always embarrassed me so much because I was always self-defeating and just didn't believe I could. And so it's one of those things I was like, you know what? I kind of had a theme for myself too. team, no embarrassment. Like you got to practice, you got to work on it because you don't want to step on stage and be embarrassed. And you already put all your eggs in that basket. You paid for it. And I think that's a big part of it too. If you pay for something, I paid for a coach. I actually had a friend who dared me to do it, which that helps too, because I'm competitive. Yeah. And kind of that camaraderie along with just, Hey, you got your, all your eggs in this basket. Now you got to do it and do it well. I love that story, Shannon. Thank you for sharing. And how would you say to transition from your personal story, which is, you know, beautiful from Poland to America and from accident and Lyme disease to, you know, placing first during the pandemic when you, they had to relocate to a hookah lounge. I mean, that sounds like you really dealt with so many things, so many curveballs, right? And it taught, probably taught you a lot and made you stronger. How would you say that has translated into private practice or have you been able to see and translate any of the whole identifying obstacles and moving past them when it comes to business. Can you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. Honestly, terrified to invest in myself. I think that was part of it too, right? Is when there's a financial investment, you're just like, I just don't know if I can do it. But when you finally just make that commitment and kind of had those experiences, you take those small steps and you've seen those little victories in the past. You're like, you know what? I got to take the chance. And the thing is, I think a lot of times people stay actually stayed stuck in a job for five years as a dental assistant. Not that it was a bad job. It was great. But it's because I didn't believe enough in myself that I could actually do more. I excelled at my job and I excelled at every job I was in. But to branch out on your own is scary because then it's all on you and financially. And so I just kind of decided, you know, I did this bodybuilding competition. At this point, if I fail, I mean, I'm not going to be worse off because... At least I tried. So I think just taking those small steps a little bit here and there and then seeing those little wins and celebrating the little wins. And then also just like, I want to be that advocate for people that don't believe like dream big because, and take a chance on yourself, invest in yourself really, because I think otherwise being a job that you don't like. And the reason why I got into dietetics, it wasn't for the finances. It was actually to help people and really make an impact. And I was like, what more of a broader impact can I make outside a clinical setting when I'm on my own and I can have my own agenda and have my own dreams and just expand to what niche I want to expand to. Yeah. Well, beautifully said. 
And obviously I fully agree. I'm biased. (laughs) How is your practice looking now? And what have you, since the program or recently, what have you learned and done with client attraction or just pricing, delivering your service? Can you explain either anything you've done to improve it or where it's at right now? So the listeners can have an understanding of who you see. I know you said you position yourself as helping bodybuilders, but you know anything about your programming, pricing, I know you have gotten some great traction on social and you've gotten attention. If you'd be able to share any of that, that'd be helpful. So I think part of it's like showing up. Definitely. TikTok, I think has helped because it's that fine balance between I want to look professional and I want people to see me as a professional and see that I have intelligence, but also kind of showing that side of vulnerability where, Hey, I am a goofball too. And so I think TikTok has definitely helped me kind of release that, but it's been cool to see because I've been getting more DMS, the more comfortable I've been getting, but also the more I've niched into like the bodybuilding realm and girls are like, Oh my gosh, that is so relatable. And even though it's a goofy, like video, some of them people are, they want to see that. Cause like, there are so many challenges when it comes to bodybuilding and being able to joke about it. And also having other people, like some of the vulnerability behind some things that competitors would never say like embarrassing things like acne or how do like, honestly, you have to shave your whole body, like little weird things that people are like, I don't want to ask the question because it's embarrassing but I don't know how other people are doing certain things. And so some of it is definitely more dietetic related and nutrition related, but some of it is just kind of like competition, like reality and some of the funny things that happen. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that. And that's the beauty of niching is that you get to really provide that space for community that you resonate with. And I know you have a personal experience with that. Has that been easier since you've been able to focus to bodybuilders versus before when you might've been more general or how do you approach social any differently? since you have been more targeted on the bodybuilding community and competitions? I think it's easier creating content. That's more specific for sure. I still am getting contacts from, because a lot of the issues that come around with bodybuilding is gut issues. And so I've been posting gut issues and digestion. And so I've actually been getting a lot of other people saying, oh, okay, so I'm an athlete. Does this apply to me too? And then some of the things I'll say is like, hey, if you have any questions, like post it to me or DM me and I might make a post about it. So that's opened up that realm. So people are starting to do that more, which is fun because it also gives me easy content to create Yeah, connection with people as well. So that's really smart. So it sounds like you're taking a strategic approach with social where you're engaging and you're getting traction and then you're using that feedback in your marketing strategy and getting more traction. Would you say that that's what's happening? Absolutely. Yes. Awesome. So I know you said making content can be easier. And then we just talked about how you're able to use their words into your content creation. Do you have any anything you want to share about progress with pricing or packaging? How have you evolved as a practitioner when it comes to sales and packaging your offerings? I think that's a huge point because I do think it's hard to charge, especially when it comes to friends, because they kind of tend to come and say, Hey, and we'll start texting you and say, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And then you end up doing a bunch of things for free, especially in a private practice. So I think like even the support that we get in the group calls and just discussing, because a lot of the people have the same issues and saying, you know, I want to be generous, but I also want to charge and I want people to respect me because the more people invest, the more people will value you, but also follow through. So I've been able to do that with like even some acquaintances or friends and they have valued it more and actually been a lot more involved and recovered so much better too. And so that's been exciting. Just getting that confidence and being able to charge, I think has been huge because I personally would love to do everything for free, 
but at the same time, you do want to be valued for the work that you do. Absolutely. I mean, it is a business. So I know you came into the field to help people and that that comes across when in this conversation, it comes across when I follow you and support you and know you. And we're also, we are a business, right? We're here to help and we're here to make profits. So creating those boundaries, it sounds like that's something you're discussing and hearing that, you know, your peers are doing it. So it makes it more, maybe more motivated to follow suit with that. It's always a tricky topic, especially when it comes to friends and family, but I'm glad to hear being cognizant and you have a process and boundaries in place for that. When it comes to, if you're open to sharing, I know at one point you said that making some modifications in your profile, like attracts people. I know people are finding you on social. Do you have anything? I know you, you mentioned showing up, but those are really big accomplishments that are really inspiring for the listeners. Would you be willing to either share any one of those stories or just a tip or two about how people who aren't leveraging social or are, but aren't getting the results they want, like what they could do. So either way, either sharing a story or a tip for them or both. I think the biggest barrier I had was my own myself and my own mindset, because I'm a very private person. I don't like people knowing everything that's going on in my life, but people want to be involved. They want to know more. And I'm like, well, do you really deserve to know more? Like, I don't feel comfortable sharing. I don't feel comfortable with people seeing my face all the time. But I think that difference that it made was that when you hear that there's more people that are relating to it, that helps kind of overcome those fears. Honestly, I'm not a huge social media person. I never really have. I just got Instagram like a year ago. So like I've definitely had to overcome a lot of the like posting more regularly. And then like I'd post something and then like take it down because I was like instantly, oh, that wasn't really cool or that I'm worried about how people are going to think about that. And definitely some barriers there. I've had to significantly overcome, but it was cool to see how the structure of the program actually guides you through that and saying, you know what, if you're not ready, this is what you can do next, or you can be still progressing, whether it be creating your profile more specifically so people can see you and see what you're specifically designed your programs for. And so I was able, while I wasn't necessarily mentally ready to start posting, I was still able to do a lot of work and prepare for posting and like gathering data and benchmarking and kind of doing some like interviews as far as going on to Facebook and going to different sites and just figuring out what people need. And that kind of helped me kind of gear more towards my passion and also figure out how I can help people more. Love it. So I call that the level one uh, market research in my framework. And it's the piece that a lot of dietitians hate and they want to skip it. But I, I love that you're sharing that you do that because the benefit of looking around at your community, seeing what they're saying, even if you're looking on you know, Facebook or other social media platforms, when you're able to, to use that language in your marketing, that's how you're able to get people engaged and then ask you to talk about similar topics. And that really kind of gets the wheels turning. So what I'm hearing is that even with the feeling fear of vulnerability, you were able to collect data and build the infrastructure to then warm up to showing your face more. Is that correct? Absolutely. And it gave me confidence in knowing that I could help these people too. So I think maybe that's probably most people's not their favorite part, but I think that was my area where I was like, I can gather all the data and then I feel prepared. And for me, I love, I probably over-prepare for certain things. Sure. I need to let loose more and I'm learning to let loose more, but I definitely think that helped still feel like I was progressing, but not when I wasn't quite ready for all the social media yet. Yeah. Would you say since joining the program that you are more of a social media person now? Because I know you said you're not a social media person and and you only started Instagram a year ago. So how would you perceive social now that you've been able to lay down the infrastructure? 
I think it honestly, it has so many benefits really like just can not just connecting with people, but being able to share information. Cause in today's day and age, people don't want to read things. They're kind of lazy. So when you can do like a TikTok and just have like five points and it never has to be specific, it just gets them questioning more. And it also shows, even though it's not a ton of information, it shows that you have a knowledge base behind it and people will actually come to you for the answers. And so I've had like local businesses reach out to me and actually I got hired off of posting my my Instagram stuff. I got contracted out for a, a completely new clinic, um, rehab clinic to design, help design their program. And so, I mean, that's amazing, media, Shannon. I guess. <laughs> so, if I'm, I first of all, Shannon, you're not giving yourself enough credit because I didn't want to put words in your mouth, but you you've gotten clients from social, and you've gotten this contract, and it's all been your ability to show up. So, when you say I'm not a social media person, like you're able to get clients and opportunities, and then build a community for people that you know need a safe space to discuss things that they feel vulnerable about. They might not have anywhere else to go. So that that's huge. Those and are honestly, benefits. Just this last week, I got three more job offers just because people have seen me on social media and they're like, Hey, it's a temporary job. And our dietitians going on maternity leave. Hey, would you fill in or can we contract you out? So it's like, it opens up more doors, even though I might not necessarily want to go in that route per se, it opens up so many more doors because you are seen as the expert then in those fields. And people are, are just seeing your face and seeing that you're posting and have knowledge base. I mean, even if like, you don't feel like that's the specific job you want, you get a lot more opportunities and it is fun. And you actually get to meet so many more people that are even in the same predicament or in the same job description you are. Absolutely. And that's huge, right? Because I mean, connection is a human need. And let's go back to, you became a dietitian to help people, right? And the opportunities you get on social are probably going to support that goal, right? Of you helping more people and maybe feeling more aligned outside of just money, which money is great. Obviously opportunities and clients lead to revenue, but they also lead to to stimulation, right? So you have options and you might not have those options if you weren't to show those five tips and use short form video and things that catch people's attention. So that's, that just warms my heart to know that you went from, I'm not a social media person to, I, you know, I've gotten a couple job offers just today, or I think you said something like that from social. So it's just a matter of kind of embracing it and accepting it bit by bit. If, especially cause I mean, being a year on the platform, it's amazing to have all those positive results, right? It's just the beginning, Shannon, it's just the beginning. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm just like brand new. And so I still have a lot to like overcome, but definitely it's been encouraging seeing those things. And even like people in the gym mentioning, Hey, I saw that post that you posted. I love it. Please keep posting. And I'm like, Oh, somebody sees it. Like, because sometimes there are times where you just don't feel like anybody's listening or commenting or getting anything out of it. And you're spending so much time on it that it does get discouraging. I actually jumped on a call with one of the gals and had mentioned I was a little discouraged and putting all this time and not feeling I was getting anywhere. And then that's when I got like three job offers. And then I got somebody at the gym, several people at the gym saying, Hey, I've seen your social media. It's really helping. And yeah, it just kind of started literally in the last few weeks, just blowing up. So just kind of be and, yeah, I, I love that, that you share that. And I love that you're also sharing, you know, the reality, right. That it's not all just rainbows. I, you know, showed up and have all these offers. There's been times where you have doubted yourself. What is, uh, I guess on difficult days, and this might draw a parallel from you know bodybuilding, but when it comes to your private practice and showing your face on a platform where you don't always feel comfortable doing that. And that's, you know, that's what you said. What do you do? How do you like motivate yourself to still do it? Is it just, do you make it a habit? Do you put it in your schedule? Do you paste it on your wall? Like, what is it that moves you forward on, on tough days? 
I'm absolutely a schedule person. I have to have it in my schedule. Otherwise it like, it's so easy to say, oh, this is more fun or this is distracting or I could make some money here and this isn't quite productive. So I actually force myself to have set times in my schedule for it. And then if I'm getting discouraged and I feel like, hey, this is not as much fun as I'd like, or I don't feel like I have the the creative juices flowing, I guess you can actually go and benchmark. So like, that's when I would go and do some more research as far as like fun stuff. So watching YouTube videos and figuring out kind of what people are liking, asking people in Facebook groups and seeing, and then TikTok. I just yeah. watch some of the TikToks and like listening to the audios and that are trending. I'm like, Ooh, I could potentially use that for another, a later date. I love that. So, so you're, you're doing your market research both on the platform. So you know how to communicate that would be looking at trending sounds and then in your demographic, meaning what are the words they're saying? You mentioned like shaving your whole body. So you're probably inquiring about what does that mean to them? Why is that important? And then once you gather that information and you bring it together with the trending sounds, you're able to come up with content. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm assuming that's what you mean by uh, what you're doing to, to keep the creative juices flowing and keep you posting. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then sometimes you're not going to want to do it. You just, if it's in your schedule, you'll do it. So. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like a lot of dietitians are very much more in the Myers-Briggs. It's like judging or perceiving and and, and judging is, I I believe I'm going to have to double check. I'm saying this right, but that's when you're schedule oriented. And Mm -hmm. I believe a lot of dietitians are schedule oriented. So I do think you're speaking to a lot of the listeners and, and they are going to be more of okay, it's in my ha- my schedule, I'll do it. I think the issue for us is that it's hard to make it a habit, right? And that's where it's it's hard to commit to doing it. But once you do, you're like, it's in my schedule, I'll do it. But to get to that point, to put it in your schedule is all that self-doubt, right? And the, the fixed versus the growth mindset and all of the stories we tell ourselves that uh, we all struggle at every level, we, we struggle with that. So it's really Really wonderful to hear your story. And I really appreciate that. Would you say, uh, Shannon, with your personality, would you say you're an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, I'm an extreme introvert. So being an introvert, and I like asking this because dietitians are traditionally introverts. I just put that in our story today on social. Many of our clients identify as introverts, both at the level where they're ramping up or they're actually building a team in our higher level executive program. Like many of our clients are introverts. How does that impact you in social media? Especially you're talking about short form video, TikTok and reels, right? I mean, what would you like, what helps you break through or how does that, it just, it's almost sounds like a conflict, right? You're an introvert, but you're, you have to show your face and talk us through that. I think it is really conf- like conflicting on a lot of levels because you don't want to be fake. You don't want to be someone you're not, but even though I'm an introvert, I'm also a goofball. So I kind of use that. Like, I think people see me as a very serious person. Cause like, for example, when I'm out in the gym, I kind of have my head down and it's hard for me to talk to people sometimes. And it gets really awkward, but when I'm doing it in a safe space, like at home or listening to some music or something that I like or something goofy, that's kind of my personality anyway. Sharing that personality is hard because it's more vulnerable and it definitely, there's a scary factor to it because you're putting out a part of yourself in a sense, especially if you're an introvert and showing that vulnerability and saying, okay, if people judge this, this is going to really hurt. But honestly, like, and I think that was my biggest my biggest issue with posting on social media, the fear and also like the fear of failure has definitely been something that has loomed over me for a long time. And, but definitely doing it in a safe space. Sometimes if you can do it with people, 
I think that really helps as an introvert. If you can find someone to do like those videos and stuff with, or like watch it afterwards. And I think part of the group support really does that. Like you can post it and they're like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. And the more people positively respond to it, I think the easier it does get too. I fully agree. And I was going to ask you, you already answered my question. Do you have any top tips for introverts? But you gave one unless you have any others. That's great. I mean, I'm an extrovert, so I'm I'm not going to be inauthentic and give a tip for introverts. So I like to ask introverts what their tips are. I I know they're very different for, for other types of clients. Sometimes you have to identify what you're willing to do and and make progress to work through it. And that's what you've done. And you've explained that like, oh, I laid down the infrastructure, you know, redid or modified my profile while I did market research as I was growing and showing my face more. You explain that. So now that I'm putting this together about the introversion, I'm thinking, okay, you're playing to your strength of your personality, understanding how you operate and working within that, right? So that's a lot of personal growth for you to understand, be self-aware as to how you operate and then give, be kind to yourself, but also work within that structure. Cause it might not be appropriate for you to you know, do it in a different way. That would be uh, too challenging, or maybe you'd give up or be too frustrated. I think a key point you said there is be kind to yourself, because I think, especially for introverts, we may be also overthinkers. And so sometimes you just, what I actually started doing when I posted something, I would post it and I would not look on social media for two days. Yeah. Just because I was like, if I look at it, I'm going to overthink it. I'm going to take it down. So that was part of it too. It's like, if I'm just going to post it, I'm going to post it and leave it and see what happens. And I think that helps to myself some time to kind of relax and say, you know what? Okay. I posted it, let it go, go do something else. And that definitely helped too. Yeah. Those are, those are great tips. Thank you for sharing that, Shannon. Any other, as we wrap up here, unless if you have any other, you know, topics you want to share with sales or marketing, which if you do, I'd love to hear them. But I was wondering if you had any advice for someone introverted or extroverted, just who's looking to, they also say, I'm not a social person. Any final thoughts for somebody who wants to make this full-time because like you, they don't want a clinical or, or they want to have a options outside of a job where they're, uh, they don't have their own schedule. Do you have any kind of thoughts or, or anything to wrap up with that you'd want to share? I'd say start believing in yourself and invest in yourself. Because I think as an introvert, as an overthinker, I know it's so hard to like take that jump. And it does get harder when you get in the program because they're going to push you to do things you don't feel comfortable with. And it's, but they're not pushing you to be unnatural. They're not pushing you to be someone you're not. If anything, they encourage you while you're in there and almost everybody shares the same feelings. And it does help when you're not the only one. And a lot of times, like initially I just kind of showed up and people would talk and I didn't feel even comfortable talking on the calls, but other people were voicing the same concerns. And I was like, wow, this is nice that I'm not the only one that feels incompetent or fearful of posting or about posting. And so getting that group, even like they're smaller groups that support and people really do encourage each other. I think you need that to kind of get out of your headspace. So just make the jump because you could either start now or you can start 10 years down the road. Do you want to spend those 10 years in a job you don't like and, or actually have the chance to grow your business for those 10 years and how much farther you can get. And even like, if you decide you don't want to do it after the program, I got so many other job opportunities from it. You have so many other options, so you can't go wrong. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate how you sharing that being in an environment where other people are voicing 
what you're thinking, but you're not yet in a position to say it is, is helping, you know, you move forward. That's really special. And I, I know that other people resonate with that. So I really appreciate you being vulnerable. I absolutely loved hearing your story today, Shannon. I did not know all of those fun facts. I didn't even know you spent most of your life in Poland. So I feel like I've gotten to know you so much more than I thought I already did. Thank you for, for taking the time and, and really sharing that with me and, and the listeners. It's really special. If you could just remind everybody where to follow you on social so we can support you on your journey and, and send any other you know bodybuilders or people your way in your niche. If you just leave reminding us your handle, then we can wrap up. Absolutely. And I th- do, did think I said it wrong, but it's Sova, S-O-V-A underscore nutrition RDN. Awesome. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. It was my pleasure too. We are so excited to offer you support in our various programs. If you identify as a beginner, and you're looking to lay down the foundations, our society program might be a great fit for you. I encourage you to go to dietitianboss.com under group coaching and apply for our experience, our transformative experience based off of my proprietary system called the Dietitian Boss Method. Additionally, we offer a higher level program called Executive to help you hire and manage a staff as you expand and scale your program, whether you're offering a membership, course, group programming, private coaching, or a combination of various different offerings. We're here to help you on your journey with developing processes and implementing the operational foundation that you need to reach your goals. A lot of our clients want to work 20 hours or less a week. And we're so proud to say that we've helped them achieve that goal. And you'll hear their stories on this podcast. Make sure to stay tuned and apply if you're looking for support to get there faster and meet some colleagues along the way who share your same growth mindset.